Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome aboard WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Across from me is the man who was literally wearing a denim set of coveralls yesterday and hip boots and was deep inside a trench personally fixing a water line. Crazy. You are a hands-on mayor. you got to be kidding me. Next thing you're going to do is drive the fire trucks. Nope, they won't let me in there. Are you going to be the magistrate, too? Nope. Okay. No, and I was not down in any holes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you fixed that water line. No, no, no. We have hmm. an outstanding borough water department. They took care of it. I saw on Facebook that uh, you fixed the water line personally. Is no, I didn't false? fix the water line personally, and you didn't see anything like that on <laughs> Facebook, you liar. <laughs> I haven't been on Facebook in three weeks, so I'm missing everything. All right. Well, welcome on board, everybody. It is the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark Mayor Shemokin Dam. His honor is with us, Joe McGranahan. Uh, but when he comes in here, he's a Natural-born conservative, he claims to listen objectively to important viewpoints before dismissing them outright. So, uh, no, we I don't just make that claim. I actually do that. Oh, you do? Yes, okay, I thank do. you. I did allot him 10 seconds today <laughs> to, for him to do a download of everything he knows about black history. So you may begin. Well, you always say, I know nothing. I'm just agreeing I never with you. said you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know something. All right. So, uh, yeah, we uh, Let me test you. you. Who was the first person killed in the Revolutionary War on our side? Mm, first person that killed it. I, I'm, I don't think I ever See, came See, now that's basic I haven't history. even forgotten it. Crispus Attucks. He's a black man. He was the first person shot and killed. Oh, wow. Fabulous. Good for you. Okay. Well, you so definitely got me. You can't say, I know nothing. You know nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I <laughs> definitely... Black history. I admit it, though, but... But you're a history buff. You're supposed to know. All right, so we do have Joe with us, and you have just enjoyed a tone of what is yet to come on the show, where Joe says the sky is blue, and I say it's green, and we go from there. Uh, On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. We do have an open phone line, 570-743-9565. We'll have a guest tomorrow. We're going to hear from the Susquehanna Valley Community Education Project again as they try to work with county commissioners, desperately trying to make sure that they get the ear of county commissioners' boards uh, to try to say they to had it, and the county commissioners shut the door. Oh, did they? Okay. Well, I mean, how much how much county support do they have? Uh, they have support from individual commissioners. They do not have a majority on any board yet. So, so and what makes you think they're going to get it? Well, I think there are some forward-thinking people that start, you know, slowly get on board and realize that this, you know, this is like things that the chamber wanted to do, or when you were pushing for the CSVT, or uh, you know, the idea of uh, you know, promoting evangelical community hospitals to grow mm-hmm. larger. These are is thinking big people that know that uh, we could definitely help the area in the future. You know, if we make changes or do certain projects or whatever. So these are the same type of people that you know you've you've been elbow to elbow with this kind of folks around here that think big. Well, yeah, well, you think big, but are you thinking right? (laughs) 
I think big. I think about washing elephants. I think big all the time. <laughs> right. Why do you look at me with that furrowed brow? Are you thinking right? Do you have right. to do that? All right. You can call us now, 570-743-9565. You can email us at on the mark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We would very much like to hear from you as our show progresses today. We always start out with an angry man. So we got Stan on the line. Uh, we talked about taxing ammunition yesterday. Or no, uh, requiring an ID. I keep saying taxing ammunition. Requiring an ID well, to buy that's ammunition. that's on their list, Mark. Right. It's a big list. <laughs> right. Democrats <laughs> want to take over the world and fix things once and for all. Yeah, right. fix it, well, maybe they ought to first start enforcing the laws. There you go. All right. Now, what happened out there in Michigan at this university Monday night, there's a little, little, little history coming out on the guy that did the deed, okay? Back in 2019, he was arrested for illegally carrying concealed, a handgun. He was charged with a felony. And he was also charged with a misdemeanor of carrying a gun in a car. In his car, I'm assuming concealed. Didn't really say in the, and it's out of the Detroit News article. Okay? So what did the prosecutor do instead of going full bore with the felony charge. They pled it down to the misdemeanor charge. He served 18 months of uh, probation, where in that time he wasn't allowed to purchase any firearms, and I'm sure he lost the firearm he had. Maybe he got it back after probation. Doesn't say in the article, so I don't know. And then he went out and bought another one. If he had been charged with that felony, he would not have been able to legally purchase a firearm in the state of Michigan. Ever again. Or in any other state. Ever. Right. So, again, as I've said in the past, the system failed. The system failed those three dead people and the five injured in the University of Michigan. They're not, yeah, University, State University. What is it? Michigan State University, not University of Michigan. That's uh, the one down in uh, Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, this was in Lansing, East Lansing, I guess it is right. where this university is located. So, the system failed, and these people are dead and wounded. And it's the gun's fault. I'm sorry. I will never accept that. Who said it was the gun's fault? Who do you think? Everybody everybody on the left says it's the gun's fault. we got to go more. And, and Miss Whitmer out there says, you know, well, we got to tighten up on guns and blah, 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 blah. No, you got to tighten up on the criminals that are doing the bad deeds. Well, I think what gets me is if it were because this the gentleman who did this was a black man, and uh, some of the people he killed were black, some were white, but generally if it's a white person who does something like that, they always bring the racism angle into it, but they don't seem to do that when it's a black person who does the shooting. They make it the gun then. And I think really right. it's the mental health is the real issue as far as I'm concerned. There's something they can't find a motive for what this guy did, so let's face it, he's obviously well, got some serious that- mental issues. That was in the article that he's been having mental issues. His family says so. His mother died three, four years ago, whatever, and, and his dad says he went off the deep end at that after that point. So he's had recent that how they put it, uh, history of mental issues. You know, he's charged a felony and he because he was carrying and, and it pled it down to misdemeanor. And that, that happens all the time. You see it in the local papers. Okay. You see it. They well, just what, want a conviction instead of going after the crime that needs to be taken care of and put what the guy law, off the streets. What law did he violate of Michigan's in doing this? Uh, was, uh, not the murder, but I'm was, saying what, how did he, what, what did he do that should have disqualified him 
from having the gun. Well, do they have red flag laws in Michigan? Carrying concealed in Michigan without a permit is a felony. Okay, so he was he was caught. What happened to him? What as a result of that? What he already told us, Joe. I know, but I want to repeat. Keep going. Why? (laughs) Why did he? He was also charged with carrying a gun in his vehicle. I didn't really say whether it was concealed or what, but he was charged with that a little later, and that was a misdemeanor. So the prosecutor made a plea deal with him, got rid of the felony charge, okay, and there took you the have, misdemeanor. There you have the point, plea deals. Instead right. of right. forcing the that's where I was headed. Instead of enforcing the law in its entirety, they plea stuff down so that the person doesn't lose the rights, I guess, to the carry the firearms. And that's a mistake. Well, I'm lo- sorry. He, he did lose the right for 18 months while he was on probation. Okay. All right, but we still he he should have lost it permanently, should he not? Absolutely. Okay, he was violating knowingly violated the law because when the cops stopped him from what the article said, this is the Detroit News. The article said that the cop asked him if he was carrying a firearm. He says, yes, I am. It's mine. It's registered me. Because in Michigan, handguns are registered. You have to go to the local police to ask permission to purchase a handgun. Well, it's okay. unfortunate. If he fell through the cracks, then there's something wrong with the system. You got bad cracks. And, and, and <laughs> it happens all the time. Look all right, in the so paper, mental health and enforce existing These gun people laws. People arrested, felony gun crimes, and they plea, plea, plea bargain it down to a lesser crime. They get the, the prosecutors get their win. The society doesn't. All right, so we should throw money at mental health from Washington and Harrisburg <laughs> and, and enforce our existing laws. Anything else? Oh, no, that pretty much covers it because, right, you know, you. if that had been done, yeah. what wouldn't have happened? More than likely. Now, you can never guarantee because, you know, people can get guns illicitly, illegally. You know, go down a street corner in Detroit, I'm sure you can find a gun. But the but, the bottom line here is that three people are dead and five more are fighting for their lives. And I've, right. I heard this news this morning where people are calling, of course, for some sort of, as Mark always says, common sense gun legislation That's that will make us safer. Senator Toomey. You know, so, all right, so what is that, what would have stopped it? You, you're saying, and I agree with you, that enforcing the existing laws and making him pay the full penalty for earlier misdeeds might have prevented him from having a gun at that point in time. But we no, just no, no, saw. No, no, Joe. It would have prevented because he lost that gun. He had to purchase another one. I think I forget. It said the gun store, and it was not that long ago he purchased another one. If he had the felony on his record when he went to ask permission to purchase that firearm, the felony would have popped up. He would have been denied. Okay. Okay. But look existing at, gun laws. I think it was in New York, wasn't it? Somebody took a U-Haul and ran over people. If you're bound and yep, determined to create mayhem, you can do it. If you don't have a gun, I'll go rent a U-Haul vehicle and run over people in the street. Well, we're that's or, why I or think a Ford Explorer. I think what what we what we are here is a dog chasing his tail. We're saying we have a problem. We need to do something about it. But nobody wants to address the real mental health issues involved consistently. There should be the ability to put someone. Uh, what do they call it, a 301 or 302 involuntary commitment? Uh, yeah, 302. For 24 hours or 48 hours for a, a psychiatric examination. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to set the bar Which lower for permanently that. on your record, and you won't be able to buy a gun afterward if you're 302. Absolutely. Well, fine. That's, That's fine with me. I've, I've, I've <laughs> encountered people like that. Yeah, and it takes a great deal of court consternation to get that undone, but it is feasible. It is. You can undo it. What uh, by what? Well, you have yeah, to have but it's, you know, it's got to be like two decades later, and you got to 
prove that you were really messed up then and you're really perfect now and even then it's up to a judge so there's some discretion and not everybody who requests yeah, every, it everything it. can be expunged if you work hard enough but I is there ever money. ever a reason for this kind of violation to take someone's right to own a gun away forever Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. an okay thing. Yeah, felonies or mental health, uh, uh, a lot of mental health issues uh, pop up when somebody's uh, adolescent or 20-something. And so uh, that typically can be a, a lifelong issue in their lives. So uh, maybe that's one factor that the lifelong issues or lifelong restrictions are in place. All right, we got you, Stan. We'll see if it prompts any conversation. Talking about changes in gun laws isn't always the answer. Maybe enforce the existing one. Cut down on the plea de- deals. Keep the felonies in place. Uh, some charges have mandatory gun laws. They can't be pleaded out. So maybe that's an idea. Mental health laws, red flag laws. This is just recycling. But, what, what did you just call part it? Of We're what? recycling this? Huh? We're recycling this whole conversation? I said it's like a dog chasing his tail. Yeah, there you go. Well, we're back to the we're back <laughs> in the circle. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, sir. Uh, so anyway. I think what what concerns me most is that we're we're looking at the gun as being the cause of the problem. And as Stan said, the gun doesn't go off and kill people on its own. Somebody has to have the gun in their hand to do it. Let's accept that as a basic premise. I mean, it's common sense. Mm-hmm. So then the mm-hmm. issue becomes people, and that's the issue we need to deal with, and we need to deal with it effectively, not just talking nonsense about it. First of all. I think that a lot of times police over, and I, and I have great respect for the police and the district attorneys, they overcharge people hoping to negotiate down, mm-hmm. you know, later on to get a plea so that they don't have to go to a trial because the county doesn't want to spend all the money it takes to have a well, trial. every criminal that's overcharged is charged with appropriate crimes. They don't just make up stuff. They write down crimes no, and charge it with things they've done. There's throwing the book at somebody. I mean, let's face it, we all know somebody. We've all seen a case where a guy was charged or a woman was charged with an inordinate number of violations, mm-hmm. and then they wind up pleading guilty to one charge. Okay. You know, why not just charge them with what you think you can, can can convict them of and then stick with it and convict them? No deals, no plea bargains. We're just going to trial, and we're going to get you for what you did. Well, I we're not going to charge you for more and then let it's you not plead that, to less. It's not that simple, Joe. You know, you, yes, you, it you is. can't just fill up jails with absolutely every criminal that's ever oh, come down the pike. We're talking about people with guns, yeah, Mark. We're talking about very people with guns. Let me talk for just a second I before guns, you interrupt me. But I'm only talking about one thing. Okay. Go ahead. What are you talking about? Guns. All right. Well, guns are guns are good. The more you have, we should have mandatory carry. Anything I know else? I believe that. All right. No, we'll take I'm just saying break. if they commit a crime with a gun, that should be what we charge them with. What you are we going to do next, Jack? Please announce it. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Give us a call at the phone number? 570-743-9565. Or email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Or if you want to make Mark Lawrence work for his money, text us at 70236. But be sure to include the keyword OTM at the start of your message. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. 
If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Not, not one of those. All right. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We just had a brief conversation about the uh, shooting at Michigan State University, uh, mental health, mental health laws, uh, plea deals, uh, changes in gun laws, or enforcing existing gun laws. Is this sort of cyclical, recycled conversation we have every time there's a mass shooting? Of course, we generally don't do anything, although U.S. Congress did do some things recently, particularly allowing uh, gun back background checks to reach into adolescence uh, history of law enforcement interaction where in the past that was verboten but now they can do that plus there were some other changes but uh, uh, of course individuals who have a psychotic break continue to cause violence with vehicles and guns and probably knives and whatever else bad people are going to do bad things and we are almost powerless to stop it unless we know in advance that they're going to do it well if absolutely positively everybody has mandatory carry i think you're going to see fewer <laughs> people pulling out a gun and shooting people randomly because you're going to they know they're going to get shot pretty directly well, of all the cockamamie ideas you've ever espoused, that is the cockamamiest. <laughs> cockamamiest? <laughs> well, I'm not even certain that's a word. Yeah, word spell check just said I, no. I don't think by – that's like saying that we're going to cure alcoholism by drinking more. Hmm, I think if everybody were informed on what a dreadful condition alcoholism is, they probably would drink less. Right. Probably. But you're saying to encourage them in the meantime to drink more by making consuming alcohol mandatory. No, no, I'm saying man- <laughs> mandatory carry gives everybody an opportunity to defend themselves. Uh, it changes a perpetrator who's got a gun that's gone crazy. Listen, I readily admit it's a cockamamie idea. I'm not advocating for it because I think it's realistic and we should do that. Uh, although it seemed to me there was some place somewhere that uh, there was There was a, a town in uh, Texas, wasn't um, there, that required people to sit to have a gun. Right. I'm not sure if they necessarily had to carry it. But I I, Lawrence's cockamamie open carry law requires absolutely everybody to carry at least a 22 uh, somewhere in plain sight but on their I, body. I don't want to have to carry a weapon around to feel safe. We shouldn't have That's to. That's why we employ do. police departments, you know, and then we have people on the left saying defund the police. Yes, there's some bad cops. Yes, they maybe need more training in some instances, but they are the thin blue line that stands between us and anarchy. And if we don't admit that, if we don't try to strengthen the police and give them the tools they need to do their job, not to overdo their job, but to do their job, we're, in effect, taking away some of the safety that we should be enjoying as citizens of this country. Look, carrying uh, open carriers are deterrence. There's no argument about that. No, Nobody's going to start a shooting. If they you see me coming down the street with a gun. Are you, are you feeling more secure or less secure? Uh, I'm feeling more secure because I know that uh, somebody near us that might look at us and s- decide to open fire knows that we're going to shoot back. But what if I'm nuts? Well, <laughs> and I'm coming down the street at you, and, and I've got my gun out. And this is really not very <laughs> hypothetical. I will add that to this conversation. Well, and I think if if you if you can't pass a mental health background check, then you can't 
get a, get, you can't do the mandatory carry. Of Is course. there a mental health background check? What does it encompass? Well, the background check that we do now, the federal background check, involves mental health interaction. If you've ever been adjudicated as mentally ill or been 302, There's as we talked adjudicated. about. adjudicated. Right. So you have to. But, you know, red flag laws may help. Maybe Michigan has a red flag law. Maybe that failed. I don't know. But do we, we have one in Pennsylvania? We do not have a red flag law yet in Pennsylvania, but we do have proposals, and we have a Democratic-controlled House, so we're going to inch closer. All right. Are the, dem- are the red flag laws of which you are aware, do they vary in strength from state to state? Right. Are they there uniform? Is no, there is no national red flag law from which these other states have done it, but there, actually one of the things in the gun law that was passed and signed last year was a template for states to use what they called best practices. Now, I never read far into it. I don't know if they really were, but I know a lot of states have red flag laws, and they've had some good outcomes from it, and they've had some situations where it seemed as though guns were taken unfairly, you know, for some other reason. So maybe we call that a failure, or somebody, anytime somebody's gun is taken away unnecessarily, that would be considered a failure, the red flag law. So red flag laws exist. I don't remember if Michigan has a red flag law or not, you know, so maybe that could have been a help if, if they had one. But it isn't the end-all, be-all. It's just another tool. It's like your police officers in Shemokin Dam have six different tools on their belt. They have a small baton, they have a gun, they have a stun gun, you know, and uh, handcuffs and uh, probably some pepper spray. So they have a, they have tools. So this is just another tool. Well, it's probably a good tool because it's one that, that, that takes place before you get into a bad situation, isn't it? A red flag law. A right. red flag law, yes, right. Yeah. We're saying, all right, this person has had, I mean, it would seem to me that any interaction involving, um, let's say, abuse or harming another person or some mental health aberration, all of those should be triggers that keep you from getting a gun until you can demonstrate that you are capable of doing it having one responsibly. Yeah, we know red flag laws work. We know that there's less gun violence in areas with red flag laws. So we know... Is there? Th- I, yes. I don't know that. I'm, I'm uh, assuming you're telling me the truth. We know they work because, in part, people who say they have... The, some people, a few people who say they have their guns taken away, say, if I still had my gun, I would have committed X crime. So just on that face value alone, we know they work. But the worst case scenario of a red flag law isn't necessarily when somebody afterwards says that they were never going to do a crime and had their gun taken away. The worst case scenario of a red flag law is that somebody who absolutely positively should not have a gun taken away has it taken away. You know, that's the worst case scenario where you violate somebody else's rights even before the fact. Okay, but in the name of safety, isn't it better to err on the side of caution? Yes, that is, that is what these states argue and the courts so argue and, uh, if and we take away society your, says okay in those areas. We take away your gun and we shouldn't have. How is society diminished by that? Well, it isn't. Uh, but, well, you know, if you if you consider that you have in the U.S. you have a constitutional right to to have firearms. We think that's what the Constitution says there. And right. for some reason, you come up with a way to eliminate that right for me. Well, that doesn't help society if you take a right that some people have and you violate that right. But in other words, I'm saying that there must have been some cause causation that made you lose that right. Right. Right or wrong. Threatening maybe, my maybe, neighbor. Say, no, I'm going to shoot the neighbor. Maybe your neighbor, I'm your neighbor. I say, Mark Lawrence waved his gun at me and said he was going to shoot me. Now you didn't do it, but I said that. Mm-hmm. Now, if they come and take your gun away on just my say-so without some sort of due process, I agree with you. That's wrong. But on the other hand, if I am able to produce, let's say, videotape of you waving your gun in my face or, you know, the or neighbors are... 
videotape of me not doing that. <laughs> or the neighbors, uh, the neighbors come out and say, "Yeah, that Lawrence guy, he's always waving a gun around at people." Or the neighbors come out and say <laughs> that you're making it up, which is more right. likely. Well, all right, but you know, all I'm saying is that there are mechanisms there. There should be a mechanism. Well, there are for court hearings. There is what they call a um, pre judiciary screen or something before these guns are taken where uh, you have to go to a judge, not a magistrate, or, you know, a common police judge and have the uh, we'll call it the aggravating evidence presented and there may be mitigating evidence presented then, but at this point the individual's not involved, so you know, they're not there defending themselves. The police are just uh, police and or uh, then perhaps neighbor's testimony or whatever it is is going to be presented first. Then the individual is given an opportunity so. to present some mitigating evidence. And the evidence. judge on the bench is a really rock-ribbed conservative who believes that everybody should have a gun. You get one outcome. The judge on the bench is a flaming liberal who believes <laughs> that everybody's gun should be confiscated. You get another outcome. Well, we know that judges and courts do change their outcomes because of politics. Look at our conservative Commonwealth Court or our liberal state Supreme Court. You know, so we know <laughs> that that's, you know, nothing Nothing has more impact than a group of liberal judges or a group of conservative judges. But that's why I say we're a dog chasing its tail. We, we, you know, we might as well accept the fact that there's very little we can do without some national consensus. And I don't know where we're going to get to a national consensus. If all these killings haven't gotten us there, right, you think if we'd all have these enough. heartbreak and all this misery hasn't taken us to the point where we're saying something needs to be done that's positive, not just political posturing. Read the first sentence of what we're going to talk okay, about during the 9 a.m. Okay, here. A California teacher who lost her job after refusing to comply with a California district's gender policies, citing Christian beliefs, is blowing the whistle on the expectation she felt as a teacher to not only hide students' gender transitions from parents, but also to keep them in the dark through lying. Wow. A teacher deserved to be fired. We'll talk about that <laughs> when we come back. Thank you, everybody, for participating in our gun conversation. Uh, we'll do this again after the next shooting. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe. Yes, sir. You Is called? it crossing me? Yes. Summon, summon you wanted you, something? Summoning you back to life. I'm alive. Stop reclining and start <laughs> declining. On I've radio. been declining for a number of years no, now. No, not that. I mean, I say yes and you decline. How about that? No, right. I, sometimes you're right. It's not frequent, but sometimes... Okay. All right. Welcome on board, everybody. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. they got lots of vehicles down there on the lot, so check them out. You can contact us now on our uh, telephone line, which is 570-743-9565. You can email us at onthemarket.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We do have some texts related to gun laws. We were talking about gun laws and the shooting at Michigan State University. Red flag laws. Michigan does not have a red flag law, we are told, so that would not have applied in that particular case. Uh, so uh, maybe they could be adopted. But, uh, yeah, we can talk about that. 
and we have another issue where school rules related to the things that a teacher can and can't do or can and can't say uh, has been violated because of the transgender issue that's popped up in our whole society. So we'll talk about that very shortly here on uh, WDK. Okay, of course, religiosity is a factor in that, so that might be interesting. Coming up, we do have some brief news headlines here, but we invite you to join us on our program, 570-743-9565. You can email us as one individual has done, and that's at onthemarketwkok.com. That individual says the Wild West existed not because everyone carried a gun, but because of lawlessness. We are there Again, Good point. Says one of our good guests. So is our whole society lawless now? Is this a frontier area that we've got going here without a sheriff or without a marshal? Well, we have apparently unrestricted gun use on a part of people who are mentally deranged. Okay. That certainly sounds lawless to me. Well, we have a lot of laws, but we just have very, very few people. Of course, uh, David Rowe yesterday used that fallacy that there's more crime in urban areas, which is a false statement. Is it a false statement? Uh, it, there are more numbers of crimes, but per capita, crime rates are lower in cities than they are in rural areas per person. But, of course, there's 20,000 people living in one city, so there's more crimes in general. But per capita, crime rates are lower in cities. Hmm. You check it out while I finish the news. <laughs> okay. We do have some news headlines here. Geisinger suffered a setback in their hope of acquiring 32 acres of land from the Sisters of St. Sarah and Methodius for a new behavioral health facility and hospitality building. Danville Borough Council voted 5-3 to three Tuesday night against the zoning change that would allow Geisinger to move forward with the project. Council members who voted no cited two reasons. One reason being traffic would be a problem in that area. A second reason was the borough doesn't need more industry, but rather more housing. Geisinger released a statement saying it respects council's decision. They're grateful for everybody in the community who let their voices be heard. They say they will move forward with exploring additional options for ways they can bring critically needed mental health and behavioral health services uh, to that area. You can read more about this story at WKOK.com. Norfolk Southern mishandled the Ohio train derailment response and they're failing now during the cleanup. And so say many of the critics of what's happening in Ohio right now, the Pennsylvania border. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro says he wants answers, too. In a letter to Norfolk Southern President Alan Shaw, Governor Shapiro expressed serious concerns about the company's poor handling of the incident, which he says put the safety of PA first responders and residents at significant risk. Shapiro told Shaw, you can be assured that Pennsylvania will hold Norfolk Southern accountable for any and all impacts to our Commonwealth. Shapiro says the State Department of Environmental Protection will continue to monitor air and water quality in the area, but so far no problems have been detected. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. AP reporting Democratic U.S. Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania underwent surgery for prostate cancer Tuesday. It was successful, and he expects a return to a normal schedule after recovery. His office said his doctors report that, as expected, the procedure went well, and they confirmed the senator should not require further treatment. He hopes to be back at the office soon. The Democratic and Republican parties have endorsed candidates for a vacancy on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Our correspondent Mark Sims is following that story. 
The Pennsylvania Republican Party recently endorsed Montgomery County Common Pleas Court President Judge Carolyn Carluccio for the open Supreme Court seat, while the state Democratic Party has endorsed appellate court Judge Daniel McCaffrey of Philadelphia. The seat is open following last October's death of Chief Justice Max Baer, months before he was supposed to retire. Anyone wishing to challenge the nominations can begin collecting voters' signatures to get on the May 16th primary ballot tomorrow. The winner in November will serve a 10-year term on the state's highest court. I'm Mark Sims. All right, finally, let's see. This is Susan B. Anthony Day. Joe loves history, so he knows that she was a champion for women's rights, equal pay, and the end of slavery. And a very failed dollar bill or dollar coin candidate. Uh, yeah, the one dollar <laughs> coin. Does, does it, is it used at all in no. circulation? Okay, nobody's really well, using it. Well, first of all, they weren't round. They were off. <laughs> they had uh, edges. Sides, so, yeah, yeah, sides, so to speak. What do you call something that's six-sided? I forget. A sextagon, I guess. Uh, Right. Or maybe it was an octagon. It was... No, that would be eight. uh, What's five? Um, Quintagon. Pentagon is four. Okay. Okay. No, Pentagon is five. Pentagon. All right. All right. Well, then that was what I asked you. Why didn't you say five? (laughs) Because you said it had six sides. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. Joe, you're getting enough sleep. Hey. You know, you're always saying, we know this to be true. You right. know, violent crime is more prevalent in rural areas or just as prevalent in rural areas as it is in cities. We know this to be true. In 2021, the violent crime rate in urban areas was 121% higher, more than doubling the rate in rural areas. 24.5% victimizations in urban areas versus 11.1 in rural areas per 1,000 people. Oh, okay. So we don't know that. So it's to just be true. gun crimes that are not as prevalent in violent urban crimes. Areas. All violence. Okay, so we were talking about guns, but you're saying all violence is is more prevalent in, ver- in rural areas. Okay, no, no, pre- it's more prevalent in urban oh, areas. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're both slipping. We don't know this to be true. Between the two of us, <laughs> <laughs> there's about a half an anchor here. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Who's anyways, producing? So Maybe they better come in and fill for us. Well, Susan B. <laughs> Anthony died in 1820, but she might be able to do a better job anchoring this show than she we are. She died later than 1820, didn't she? She died in 1906. I'm sorry, she was born in 1820. Remember when Jeff McCausland said it was a good shot when they shot that balloon with the Sidewinder missile that the guy had to shoot up? But the Air Force missile, one Air Force missile, missed a balloon somewhere at the bottom of Lake Huron. You might find a recently fired Sidewinder missile. The Pentagon confirms the Air Force pilot who shot down one of the three balloons over the weekend missed on his first shot. And they say the Sidewinder missile landed harmlessly in Lake Huron. (laughs) Good thing it's a big lake. Uh, there's no word if they plan on recovering it. <laughs> well, if I were near Lake Huron, I would go looking for it immediately. Right. They're having a tough enough time finding what's left of those balloons because of rough conditions out there, let alone finding the Sidewinder. Well, and the other thing that came out recently was that the Sidewinder that took down the balloon off the Carolinas didn't explode. It just pierced it and continued on. So, oh, okay. So um, it was not, the armament didn't go off. It was just the, uh, the that powder that you saw there was just the contents of the balloon, and that the the of course it went on and landed in the ocean. Well, it didn't, look, it didn't look like an explosion. I will grant right. you that. Right? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, those bomb blasts are usually pretty visual. So, uh, I had, I did, never really thought about that. We should have asked McCausland about that. But anyway, yeah, it went right through it. It just pierced it. But this other one missed. So, but they say it's very hard to hit this. What did he say? It's a small 
target. It's moving. You're moving. The target's moving. It doesn't have radar signatures. Well, so these it, things are designed to shoot down signature. jet planes that are moving very fast and well, erratically. Right, but see, that's the key. The jets have a radar signature and a heat signature. And or, the balloon doesn't. Right. So. Well, then why would you use a heat-seeking missile to shoot down a balloon? No, they didn't. Uh, Sidewinders are guided by infrared. You keep the infrared on the target, and that's how it finds its target. And how did he miss? Uh, they're not infallible. <laughs> <laughs> and a balloon is a small target. They said this one is the size of a car. Two, they said, well, yeah, but the other one was the size of two buses, and right. they missed it? No, no, they hit that one. <laughs> I mean, I've seen one pictures of them taking out a car with a missile in the middle of the Arabian Desert, and they can't hit a balloon the size of well, two buses? Well, that's the car's <laughs> standing still. No, no. Haven't you ever seen those videos? Of oh, well, the car out? is moving. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Well, those uh, those aren't sidewinders. Well, I don't know what they are, but we yeah. got. Why didn't we use whatever they are on the balloon? Those are the air to ground ones. Uh, ground to air, maybe. No air to ground. No That's air to right. ground. What, what are they called? But they also Hellfire? use infrared. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like that CBS anchor that. Or no, I guess I was watching CNN the other day, and the, they had a new anchor on, it and she just didn't know any military lingo. And so she was talking about, okay, so you're shooting bombs up at the balloons, <laughs> and it is, in in what way do these bombs explode? You know, <laughs> like they were on a timer. Or well, something. they go boom. Right. And I thought, oh boy, you know, before, you, you, what do they say? Uh, news anchoring is is like attorney in court. You have to know the answer before you ask yeah, the never question. Ask, never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Right, so she's got to work on that. Okay. And, uh, okay, so we were talking about gun laws. We got some texts. Yes. Uh, when you're saying, Mark, is a person's rights are violated with red flag laws, take their property without them being aware of what they're being charged with? Yeah, they're not being charged with anything in a red flag violation. That's the beauty of it. Is It is simply a, they can consider it a revocation of something that happened already, the privilege to have this gun and carry it and so on. And so it's, it, and they've been upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court so far, but now we have a more conservative court, so I think they should take them back and triple check. <laughs> and then he says, uh, red flag laws are violations of a person's due process, guilty till proven innocent, is not part of the American justice system. But in some respects, maybe it should be. Well, but the issue, this is like driving. They take your driver's license away. Well, do you not have a right to drive? No. Driving's considered a privilege. But before they give you that license, they require you to demonstrate your abilities. Do they not? And your knowledge of the law. Driving, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so why point. not do the same thing? Why is a red flag law then a violation of a person's due process? Mm. Well, uh, you know, I think I think that's a half-valid argument. I, I'm not going to argue against that. I, I definitely think that uh, you have uh, an opportunity that a lot of the red flag momentum begins before the person's aware or would be necessarily aware. I mean, they could have found out on their own or maybe the neighbor said, hey, I'm going to call the cops and turn you in for a red flag situation or something like that. But th there's a lot of proceeding that happens before you're aware. So if I, I'll bet if the U.S. Supreme Court overturns it, that would be the reason is that the first half of the proceeding, you're not involved. So maybe that would be one thing. Uh, let's see. Joe, cops are needed, but when crime is happening, the police are 10 minutes away and they're not preventing anything at that time, are they? Yeah, this is when we were talking about, well, I'm arguing we should have mandatory open carry, and Joe says, nope, just let the cops handle it. 
Uh, yeah, about it. Uh, <laughs> all hail. Uh, let's see. A town in Georgia required all law-abiding citizens to own a firearm. Yes, and crime went way down. Good. Did it? <laughs> See, it would work. Another individual says, I agree, Mark, all law-abiding citizens being armed would reduce crime. Criminals are cowards and wouldn't want to be shot. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, we, 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 somebody should have the guts to make mandatory carry start out, and then we can go uh, from there. And uh, let's see, well, see if it works. Another listener says, I need the mouse for a second. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's all good. Uh, let's see. Another one says... Cruz, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooter, is a perfect example of the system failing in public. He should have been in a psych ward. This is one of our good listeners. Okay. All right. Uh, you want to read this? You got a, something Well, we have a call. Here. You want to take the call first? We'll come back to that. Nope. It's on a different topic. Okay. All right. Lance, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Oh, wow. Okay. I, uh, anyway, uh, the murder rate is in, uh, like, Philadelphia... If Northumberland County had the same murder rate, we'd have a murder every nine days. And how often do we have murders around here? About, what, every two months or so? Really? No, we have a murder in Northumberland County every nine days. If we were matching Philadelphia. If we were matching Philadelphia. And I'm saying, what is our current murder rate? Every three months, four months? I mean, in the Valley, we have a murder, but that's bigger than just one county. Well, uh, what it worked out to is if you uh, took the number of murders and expressed it as per 100,000, okay, and uh, you then took Philadelphia and Pittsburgh out of the mix, well, you have a murder rate of, of 2 per 100,000 as opposed to 42 per 100,000 if you left everything together. Gotcha. I mean, that, that we did that quite a while ago. Okay. And I was really, I, it blew me even away. But when you're talking about the mass incarceration being just really terrible, well, what it did back in the 90s, we had a murder rate cruising over 10 per 100,000. And after we put everybody in jail, it had dropped down to actually less than five back about... Uh, Oh, I think 2011, 2012, just precipitously. Mm-hmm. And curiously, during that time, the number of firearms in private hands uh, increased by almost two-thirds. Hmm. So if you can say guns are a problem. Now, here in Northumberland County, we have 30,000 concealed carry permits. Uh, that's what, one for... 30,000? That's about a third of the county. That's exactly right. I was totally astounded. I asked wow. Well, but see, the, the, the reason is every man, woman, and child who wants a gun in the county for any purpose, whether hunting or protection or target shooting or anything, needs to have the permit. Uh, I mean, that's why no, the number is so high. So. You no, don't need see, one for one, hunting? One time, no, this is for real concealed carry. It says right on it. You have one, right? Read it. See, before it used to be protection recreation. It cost you 15 cents with your hunting license years ago. And now it's uh, $20. But uh, that's a violation of uh, our constitutional rights, too, because after they outlawed the poll tax, specifically stated 
that you could not tax or charge a fee to exercise a constitutional right. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Well, that is. And uh, they do both with firearms. Pittman Robertson Act has 15% on all guns and ammunition, and that is supposed to, uh, you know, buy new hunting uh, lands right. and also for ranges and that type of thing. And, and they use it for everything else, including uh, hiking trails and that type of thing. Yeah, one of our good listeners sends a note that says you do not need a concealed carry permit if you plan to use a handgun for hunting, as long as it's not concealed, I guess. Yeah, Which that's right. You would have it in plain sight, I guess, under most circumstances. Yeah, okay. But then, but then, you know, if you're carrying it and you have your coat over it, technically you're carrying it concealed. So it gets a little testy with some of these game wardens we have out there. <laughs> Well, well I yeah, think it would depend on the definition of concealed in the law. If there's right. a law that requires it, it has to say what concealed means. Yeah, and I think game wardens mm-hmm. have a little bit of discretion, so maybe that's where yeah. there might be some gray area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right, we got you, Lance, but thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. Yeah. Take care. Yeah, very enlightening. All right, very much appreciated. Hope that call uh, that, that you were getting wasn't anything important. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was him. No, I know it was him. That's why I'm oh, talking okay. to him. <laughs> I got you. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. Okay. Five, so, oh, go ahead and read that upper thing so we can uh, This is that. breaking news. CBS News has learned that the U.S. intelligence officials watched the Chinese spy balloon as it lifted off near China's south coast, meaning the U.S. military had been tracking it for nearly a week before it entered U.S. airspace. Right. That was in the news today, which means all this uh, crying crocodile tears, we couldn't do anything because it was over the U.S., was baloney. They, they knew exactly what it was for a half a century before it got over Montana. Well, they knew a balloon so. lifted off, but they didn't necessarily know where it was going or what it was going to do. Apparently. Until it came onto our, it's, you know, once the package is in your front yard, you can do something about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, to be continued, who knows? But it just seemed to me that if it's another lost opportunity in this whole discussion. 570-743-9565. We would love to hear from you. That's 570-743-WDKOK. You can email Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at 70236. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6. 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back. 
you, we are enjoying open phones. Joe's going to read a good clipping from Fox News here shortly. 570-743-9565 is our telephone number. That's 570-743-WKOK. You can email us at on the market WKOK.com and text us at 70236. This story is interesting because this teacher asked to have a religious accommodation made for her faith, and it was rejected uh, because this is the, what she was doing. A California teacher who lost her job after refusing to comply with the California district's gender policies, citing her Christian beliefs, is blowing the whistle on the expectation she felt as a teacher to not only hide students' gender transitions from their parents, but also to keep them in the dark through lying. She said, I knew immediately, like in my gut, in my heart, in my soul, that there was a decision I had to make because these two things were totally butting heads. The teacher's name is Jessica Tapias. She worked for the Jerupa Unified School District. She said, I essentially had to pick one. Am I going to obey the district and the directive that they are not line, that my views are not lining up with, my own beliefs or convictions and my own faith, or am I going to stay true, choose my faith, choose to be obedient to the way I have been called to live? And so it is crazy to be in the position where I realized that I couldn't be a Christian and a teacher. In a notice under the superintendent Trenton Hansen's led, uh, letterhead, uh, the district said they couldn't accommodate her Christian beliefs, which prohibited her from withholding information on gender transitions from kids' parents. Consequentially, the district will release you from your employment effective at the end of the day on January 31st, 2023, the notice said. Based on your religious beliefs, you cannot be dishonest with parents. If asked about a student's gender identity by a parent, you cannot refer the parent to a counselor, defer the inquiry, and suggest they speak with a student, or otherwise deflect the parent's inquiry, the letter signed by the assistant superintendent said. The district cannot accommodate your religious beliefs that prohibit you from maintaining a student's gender identity and refraining from disclosing a student, and something just popped up on my screen that I got to get rid of, uh, from disclosing a student's gender identity from his or her or their parents and guardians, it continued. According to my school district, students have privacy, and so if a student shares information regarding a pronoun preference or thinking there may be the, uh, they may be the opposite gender of what they biologically are, if they share that information with a teacher, we are supposed to keep that info from parents in case the parents don't know. Should they? Mm. Should a teacher be required, I mean, that's what they're saying here, that someone that we require to be responsible for these kids shouldn't report back to the parents if they see something different. Now, if you believed in, um, I don't know, maybe if you're an LGBTQ teacher, you wouldn't want to report that because you would, you know, you would have your reasons. You might be more likely to be supportive. But she has hers. I mean, isn't doesn't a parent have a right to know? Should a teacher be fired for telling a parent something Not about telling. their child oh, that they actually, actually believe the parent should have a right to know? And should a parent have a right to know? I think the the bottom line doesn't have anything to do with being transgender. I think the bottom line here is the district has a policy. The district, the teacher came in the front door and said, hi, I love working here. Please pay me X number of dollars, and in exchange, I'm going to comply with your policies. One of the policies is the student confidentiality opportunity that the kids have, that what happens in school stays in school. So, you know, we can revisit that. Does it, does it really stay in school, Well, Mark? I'm just saying that's the school policy, that if the teacher 
teacher knows about something that's not supposed to go blabbing to the parent right away, well, we can argue whether that's a good idea or not. But in this case, the firing is okay because if, the teacher's out of compliance with school policy. But if the teacher, if if the kid, if a kid socked another kid in the nose, you're saying the parent shouldn't be told. The teacher sees, sees this, knows that the child acted out, and they shouldn't be told. I don't know. Does it relate to school violence? Well, I, it relates to anything. In other words, it's the basic principle. Should absolutely, it, positively, nothing parent, that happens in school should ever be told to the parents. Well, that's apparently what they're saying. I don't think does so. It, well, does it, what does a parent have a right to know? And, you know, one of the other things, she's a physical education teacher. She also refused to allow male genitals in the girls' locker room in opposition to district policy. So the district policy is if you declare yourself to be a woman, you're allowed in the girls' dressing room, mm. no matter what you equipment you may well, have. Well, we have to accommodate that. You know, we do all kinds of accommodations for everybody else in the world that well, has... we're not accommodating her religious beliefs. <laughs> that school has a policy that you keep things that the students tell you confident, and that's... That's all right. I think there certainly are conventional conversations that you can have with teachers, whether it relates to academics or maybe athletic performance or something like that. But other issues that are more sociological or personal should be kept in confidence. If the student wants the parent to know this, they'll tell them. And if there's a parent to has any kind of a parent, they're going to know and pick up on this and know. All right. So but a kid if comes a teacher, to the teacher willfully violates a, a school policy, that's cause for alarm. Kid comes to a teacher and says, "I'm being abused." by my uncle, and I don't want my mother to know because uh, it's her brother. You shouldn't tell the parents. Oh, when it comes to violence, I think teachers are mandatory reporters. They have to tell law enforcement, or certainly their higher-ups in the school, if uh, students threatened or in any way harmed. I mean, that's what, you know, the uh, mandatory reporter law relates to that and a wide range of other individuals. Well, I think if we're going to have a teacher be responsible for so much these days, mm -hmm. if they see something that they question whether the parents are aware of it, or maybe the parents don't want to be aware of it. But I, I think there's two ways you could approach it. You could sit up to the teacher and say, I'm a Christian and I don't believe, I believe your daughter uh, wanting to be a boy is criminally wrong, morally wrong, and they're going to hell. Now, that's one way to put it. <laughs> the other way to put it is say, listen, your, your daughter told me that she believes that she might be in the wrong body. She believes that she has a, a certain uh, proclivity toward being a male. Now, which way, I mean, depending on the way she approaches it, the teacher approaches it, I don't see anything wrong. I think they should be required to tell the parents. Mm, I don't know. Under what circumstance can a, a, a student ever come to a teacher with any kind of an issue and expect any confidence? I think students should be able to go to a teacher and say, look, I'm, I, I have these thoughts and these feelings, and I've known this since I was five. I want to act on it. Please don't tell my parents, but uh, tell me, what, what do you think about this? What do you know, or, or what should I do? or who should I talk to? I think those are confidential conversations that should stay that way. Well, when you tell a teacher she's a mandatory or she's a mandatory reporter in one abuse, instance, yeah, but not in other instances? No, not along so psychological So who's making that decision? The teacher, that puts a lot on the teacher to this make the decision of where law. it crosses the this line. This is state law stuff that covers mandatory reporters. And I probably some federal that. laws, too. But still, if you're a, man, a mandatory reporter, the basic premise is that parents have a right to know something about what's going on with their kids. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. If Why isn't that premise carried over into something like this? Okay. Well, we got a couple calls coming in. No. we got a few nibbles on this. We'll start out. We'll flip back to our old topic. Jim, you're on the mark. What's cooking? Uh, good, yeah, good morning, Mark and Joe, and happy <laughs> Valentine's Day to both of you. Well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> 
I know a handgun that you can carry without a permit. With a muzzle loader? No. Uh, uh, 22 Crossman CO2 pistol. Oh, okay. Air gun. And that packs just about the punch of like a 22 short or a 22 long. Okay. All right. Okay. Yep, you skirted the law successfully. Amen. All right. right. Yep, thank you so and much. I enjoy listening to you. Oh, well, we enjoy, we enjoy having, having you listen. <laughs> Very good. We almost said it at the same time. All nice, right, thank nice, you, Jim. Jim. Much okay, appreciated. Okay, so long, right. gentlemen. That related, yep, you too. That related to firearms. All right, Joe, there's and, another uh, one. Rob is absolutely correct. He says future President John Adams was the defense attorney for the British soldiers that killed Christmas addicts. He's right. Okay. He was. And we got another one talking about your hot air. Tom. You, o- you OTM hot air balloon experts need to join the military and tell them how it should have been done. <laughs> Tom. Yeah, yeah, that's the trouble. we got a lot how of experts. How it should have been done. All right. We, most recently, we've been talking about gender. We're going to take a quick break when we come well, back. We're not talking about the religious aspects of this. We're talking about whether or not a teacher has or should be fired for not, re- for not being willing to report uh, or for not being unwilling to report to the mm-hmm. parents what it is their kid is doing. Okay, and I say the school policy requires confidential conversations between teacher and student, and the teacher has to comply or they get fired. What's your view on this, folks? 570-743-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com or text us at 70236. When car repairs get difficult... Well, I I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6. 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. Mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. they got an unmet need, believe it or don't. You might be able to help them out. Uh, Sunbury Motor Company's got tons, of hun- literally hundreds of behind-the-scenes employees, and they're looking for a few more. Uh, they're looking for entry-level and or experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car, and light truck service area, heavy truck service area, body frame and alignment, and towing departments. Uh, whether you are an experienced technician or an entry level or just looking for your first job or you're looking for a career change or you just love going to the quick lane hey I do and you want to help us work there then please uh, sign up at the Sunbury Motor Company they would just love 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 to do business with you there they're talking a lot these days about the Ford Bronco Sport they got a couple of them down there this is the smaller Bronco not the big one and they would just love to do business with you and uh, sell you one of these and it would be an opportunity for you to be a happy 
motorist as price tags still in the mid 30s so very affordable that's why you see a lot of them out there some of them tricked out already have a lift kit on them some of them 181 turbocharged motor and there is a hybrid Bronco coming out soon so soon you're going to see that of course they got all the important stuff you need uh, they got a uh, lane uh, pedestrian detection and lane departure warning and rear cross track warning and uh, you name it they got uh, warnings that'll tell you if you're going to pay too much for gasoline at a fine local gas station you got they got it all Ford Bronco Sport check it out sunburymotors.com uh, who is uh, next Joseph. Uh, Joseph from Milton thanks for waiting you're on the mark yes I want to comment on that teacher business uh, you know we entrust our children to go to school and the teachers to teach them but you know what back in the day if I did something, I was I was a bad student. I'd play hooky and go fishing or something. And, you know, my parents would get a phone call from the teacher and say, Hey, where's Joseph this morning? He wasn't in school. Is he sick or what? And uh-huh. uh, this, is, this is just crazy. It's the parent's job. It's the only thing we have, the only thing you have, really, is the fruit of your body and your wife's body. That belongs to you, that child, okay? And it's our responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of Yahweh, okay? And and it's not, you know, I mean, I we had adopted a teenage girl and a teenage boy. Now, a teenage girl was kind of wild, and she was taking birth control. Now, we didn't know nothing about it, and she shouldn't have been doing that. She shouldn't have been uh, doing anything like that. And uh, But uh, she got sick. And so we took her to the doctor, and the doctor determined it was a birth control. Well, I said, where'd she get these? Well, he, she got them. I thought she got them at school. But no, the school, I went to the school, and they said, no, they didn't give them to her. But they recommended the state, down Lewisburg, uh, right across from, uh, well, down there by Burger King on the Strip, uh, there's an office, a state office. So I went there, and I said, who gave you the authority to give my adopted daughter these birth control pills, you know? Oh, well, that's, that's our policy and this and that. And I said, hey, <laughs> what would happen if I'd see your daughter out on the street and I'd give her an aspirin? I, I'd be in jail. And it, it just, it, this is just not right. You know, the government moves in on everything that you have and wants to lay claim on it. It's just, it's just not right, you know? I, I agree with you. I think parents have the responsibility of knowing what their children are doing. I, I would not be uh, I would not be comfortable not knowing uh, when my son was growing up what he was doing and where you know what kind of influences he was under. Uh, I wouldn't want yeah. teach, I wouldn't want teachers withholding information from me that they think I ought to know. Now I have a great deal of respect for teachers. I studied to be one at one point in my life. Do you know any teachers? Yeah, no, well, quite a few of them. If a child has a problem, <laughs> huh? And if a, pro- pro- a child has a problem bullying or something like that in the school, uh, the teacher would call up the parents and, and they would, they'd say, "Hey, what? Well, you know, let's get together here, and you know, you're going to have to do something with your child. You know, uh, they, you know, try and." work the problem out, not keep it from the parents, you know, anything like that. But I do agree that, it, Joseph, it does put the teachers in a delicate position. If a child trusts a teacher enough to want to share something with them that, you know, they really are not comfortable with putting out for the world to know, mm-hmm. doesn't the teacher have some kind of an obligation to protect that confidence? You well, know, I, if, some, if a child come to me, a minor, and said this and that about their parents, uh, first of all, I say, hey, you know, if you, I cannot say that I would not go to your parents. 
I wouldn't make that promise and then break it, mm -hmm. okay? But I would uh, say, hey, you know, you, you should go with your parents, you know, and, and, and try to discuss this, and I'll go with you and, and help you out here, but uh, I can't promise you that I wouldn't say something because I feel obligated to, to tell their parents. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. But school policy says no, and if you violate that, you're out the door. If she did, she's out. So, Well, I'm glad you're not the educator in charge, but you might as well be because that was the result. Well, you know, <laughs> the higher thing here is this. Oh, here we go. Here I it is. <laughs> go ahead. I said, uh, in the scripture, it says, There we go. Glorify Yahweh in your body and in your spirit, which are his. <laughs> so he's talking to us as adults. That our body and our spirit are not our own. All right, we got you. It's our heavenly fathers, you know, and so like 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 that is with our heavenly father. So then your child, the, the fruit of your body and your wife's body, is, is yours, and it's your responsibility to bring that child up. All right, we got in you. The nurture and admonition of Yahweh, you know. Okay, Done. Thank we you. We got you. All right. Well, thank you so much, sir. Thanks for calling in. Up until much appreciated. Thank you, thank you Joseph. Goodbye. Thank you. There we go. Everybody gets to at least say goodbye. All right, last caller before a quickie break is Bill. Thanks for calling, sir. You're on the mark. From Bloomsburg. Hey, hey real real quick, uh, it's the parents, the teacher's job to pass on information to the parents, and it's the parents to be involved and ask. Uh, but my, my main thing is you were talking about guns and people getting killed and whatnot. The biggest, the biggest bought and paid for media story going on right now by the coup is is the train wreck uh there was five there was five cars full of uh i believe uh vinyl chloride which was used in world war one or world war two right it's the methyl people out there in that surrounding area are gonna die right they it, burnt them cars they they were fearing they'd rather kill them people they were they were they were fearful that that was going to drain into uh the water and maybe possibly into the river. But here the thing is, uh, they sent them people back in. They're all going to get cancer. They're all going to die. And 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 uh, oh, uh, they it. said they said the vapors, <laughs> the acid that was released into the into the sky. You know these uh, you can't you can't have uh, gas stoves. But the the chemicals that was pumped into the sky that is being covered up. And you should do your homework and have tomorrow's topic about the, the, what what these people are going to be enduring. It, it, it's very sad. It's very sad how the government uh, is, is handling this. And they did air control. They never did no uh, uh, water control testing. And they just sent them people back into harm's way. All right, we got you. I think it points out how incompetent Pete Buttigieg is as our Secretary of <laughs> Transportation. He's an, idiot. No, he's an idiot. And then these two governors. And there I mean, it the is. The governor comes out and <laughs> says, uh, well, we'll hold the railroad company. He, the governor agreed to let that be a controlled burn. The two governors, how the, 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 gov the, the United States should have been in there. And, and uh, handling and that. Is and it feasible they know something you don't, or are you as informed as them? No, the thing is, is, is the, 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 the amount of chemicals, the, the, the deadly chemicals that were, were burned and released into the air and, how, and what they're going to destroy and how many people are going to die. There's people that are going to die uh, within that two-mile radius. The, the governor of Ohio was on the news saying that if, uh, 
these people are going to die, like pretty much, and was chuckling, like he made the comment. And then they, <laughs> later, they sent him back die. in. I doubt it. But anyway, listen, uh, is it feasible that... The news clip. Right, I got hey, you. Is it, is it feasible that the governors know more about this than you? To do a control burn on them chemicals, it's, 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 for, for the two governors to make a decision to release all that chemical into the atmosphere where... Where it could have been uh, contained or what the like, I, I mean, there, there's going a lot going to be coming out of this, but I mean, right. it's still well, in I, early I may stages. Be wrong. But it, it would, I, my main point is how the left and the coup is hiding this from the general public, and it's not. It's not on the headlines. But, but right, it is on the you. headlines. There are reports of animals uh, dropping it's trickled, dead. It's trickled on that. There, there are reports of animals dropping dead. There are concerns about Mayor, our Governor DeWine was asked the question about what he would do if he would move back into his home. He said he would probably move back into his home, but he would drink bottled water and he'd be very cautious and, and vigilant and that he would keep close contact with local emergency officials. But I doubt seriously that they decided on uh, the, this controlled burn of this, these chemicals without talking to environmentalists about the options and what was best and what was least likely to produce a bad result. No, they just didn't know, Bill, or they would have talked to him. Okay, chemical but, they used in, they're, they're saying that chemical is the same chemical they were using in World War II. No, it was World War One, and it broke down into phosgene, phosgene gas, and that's what they used in World War One. And the chemical in Ohio, thank you so much, Bill. Thanks thank for calling you. in. The chemical in Ohio, uh, we learned yesterday, was methyl ethyl bad stuff. Methyl ethyl bad stuff. One of our good callers <laughs> filled us in. It was methyl ethyl bad stuff. Okay? All right. Stand by, Chris. You are next. Hold on. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I... I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. out of auto repair. Uh, on the topic of the transgender school policy and teacher confidentiality, one of our listeners says the parents have absolute parental rights over their child until the child's 18th period. They should be informed. If a school district demands a teacher lies to the parents about their kids, how can they be trusted to care for the kids eight hours a day? Excellent points. And uh, Chris, what's your view on this topic? Well, first of all, a uh, heptagon is seven sides, and a septagon is seven sides, and a hexagon is six. Thank you. And, one, and a sexagon is six, too, although it sounds like a six-person or, orgy. Not, <laughs> not to me. <laughs> to you, yes. To, not to me. Sexagon. A sextagon. All right. Well, there's a point. Well, sex <laughs> is the, the one's the Greek word for six, and hex is one's the Latin word for, for I think that's the other way around, but I forget. 
<laughs> Sounds like an Italian who gets divorced. All of a sudden, the sex are gone. Now I'm gone. Oh, God. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't resist. <laughs> are you okay? Chris fell off his chair. I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm <laughs> he has to get up out of the ground. <laughs> and uh, as far as the, the teacher thing goes, uh, I think it sounded like her problem with it was that she'd have to lie. Not that... Right. If the, like to me. Yeah, if the teacher ever... If and, it, if the, and it said, in, and, and, and Joe read it, it said, or otherwise deflect. I suppose you can just say, uh, the, the, I'm forgiven, forbidden by school policy to answer that question. Right. There you go. And, and that's it. I'm not sure why the parents would be asking the question unless they sort of already knew about it anyway. Which you'd hope they would. They choose a random teacher to talk about it. But more than that, Chris, it was that she wasn't allowed to talk to them. She wasn't allowed well, to disclose it to them. Yes, and, and oh, and about the abuse thing, uh, I don't think the the teacher is uh, supposed to report the abuse to the family. They're supposed to shit up their line of. Uh, information to the principal or the of the school or superintendent and on up and then they decide whether to talk to the police about it or not i think Perhaps. a mandatory reporter in pennsylvania is required to notify the police yeah not the teachers so it's not the same thing at all no but, but the teachers uh, are mandatory the teachers are mandatory reporters yes on uh, on abuse yes and I'm, I but, uh, read this. Uh, sex change is not against the law, and abuse is, right? Well, one of our writers says, I've been a mandatory reporter for 37 years. Unless there is a suspected instance of abuse, as defined by the law, it is not reportable. Secondly, the report is made to county child services for their determination. Lastly, violation of the school board policy is grounds for removal. Yeah, that sounds all pretty straightforward to me. Exactly. <laughs> Right, but the question I have is whether or not a teacher should be fired for withholding information from the parents. Absolutely. See, so I, I don't agree with that. Ex- I thought you were, in this issue, was telling the parents, not withholding. Well, by not telling them, it's withholding. Yeah, if you have a conversation with you and the parent says, has my student told you anything in confidence, you have to lie and say, uh, no. And, but really, uh, you can... I cannot answer that question. Right. You, there are certain ways to tell the truth without uh, divulging confidential information. So she doesn't have to lie, and that was in part of the law. Right. So a child comes in and says, uh, for example... <laughs> Here we go. I, I, a Here boy go. comes in and says, I raped Harriet the oh, other day. Dear. You know, shouldn't That's the teacher the crime be... again. Right. And it's a mandatory reportable. But if he comes in and says, I stole something from the school store... Is, That's a crime. That's a crime. But if it is, why is that any different than coming in and saying I have something entirely different in my life going on that I don't want my parents to know about? Chris, I'll give you the honors. Yeah, that's, a, well, that's a private consideration. It's not illegal. All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Thanks for Chris. calling in. Thank you, Chris. All right. Much Goodbye. appreciated. Bye. Call earlier next time. And the Susan are. B. Anthony has 11 sides. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what that no is. No wonder it failed. <laughs> You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK OK, Sunbury. 10 o'clock. Time for Dan Patrick.